Dan, I'll tell you what. Please do. I miss Chris. Yeah. What a guy that was. What a guy. What a guy to have on the podcast. But you know what? I What I appreciate, appreciate about Chris is that he doesn't give you all you want at one time. <laughs> yeah. He comes in. Leave him wanting more. That's teasing. Chris's strategy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> also, he's great on the podcast. So we'll have to settle for Hunter. Oh. Oh, he's Ooh. back. Hunter's back. Yeah. <laughs> Coffee's hot. The I'm topics back, are back, hotter. Back with receipts. <laughs> first episode discuss what what was said the last two episodes yeah speaking of off mic uh hunter had a whole list of things that we should have <laughs> done better we're improving as podcasters yeah yeah Which do, all the time i do want to set the record straight okay about who the best rower is at the gym we all know who that is are we going to talk about me for a moment <laughs> <laughs> I, look i think i'm great at rowing until that one random workout per year where hunter actually sits beside me on a rower and i'm like <laughs> i quit i totally quit yeah look i'm, I'm gonna put a um a gauntlet out there for anybody listening if you get on a rower and set it to, to calories and just crank it up to as high as you possibly can get on calories per hour if anybody can beat 4200 let me know Shoot us a DM. Forty two hundred. Yeah. I mean Is the thing accurate. I think uh I think Tim Bell could give you a run for your money for oh, we, about we did it. Uh ah. we already did it this week. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> everybody, Sounds like Hunter won. Every, yeah, it does. Everybody was getting on there to see who could crank it up the high. So that is I have never seen that number in any version of settings on a rower. That's impressive. Was it coming off the floor? No, uh wow. somebody was standing on the back okay, of it. Okay, yeah, I got away to the front. Yeah, we were all standing on it on on it uh for uh, each person, so it wouldn't wouldn't. Wait, fuck. so you you crank it up as high as you go. You're running it at ten, or you're no, like yeah. I mean, you can put it on whatever uh, oh, damper you want, like, whatever like, you think you can. It's do It's just best. like basically see how how high you can get the number. Gotcha. That that and, sounds like the uh, the CrossFit version of the punching bag. At the no, level. that's exactly what we said. <laughs> <laughs> <We're> like, <laughs> they need to have one of these at a bar. And like, <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the form those guys take when they're hitting those oh, uh, digital punching bags? Running start, yeah. Gosh, just pure I saw, torque. I saw a video of a girl hit it, and it literally registered zero. <laughs> she, said, she said, this is the most embarrassed I've ever been. <laughs> uh, speaking of embarrassment, uh, let's talk about, I don't know, ourselves. <laughs> I don't. Just, I'm just kidding. Let's what are we about talking about? Let's talk about Chase's fitness here. <laughs> <laughs> Set yeah. yourself up for that one. Looking great. <laughs> Happy. Thank you, metabolism. Yep. Yep. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, we've had some. Uh, we talk about this often because it's happened a lot in the past couple of years. But CrossFit has experienced a lot of changes, and we saw what we we're going to say from the outset: some very positive changes inside what it takes to get to the games how that works out for athletes at the affiliate level. So we thought we'd have a brief conversation about how the quarterfinals worked out, how the Open worked out leading into that, what it did for people at just kind of the local level as well as the professional level athletes that are trying to get to the games. Um, I think, Hunter, you would say that we had a, a renewed sense of excitement inside the box about the Open, about the quarterfinals. There was just a little bit different energy, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, you know, it was definitely a big change from the last couple of years, and um, everybody seemed to really enjoy it. I know I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun, and we're kind of, you know, in that in-between. The quarterfinals just finished, all the master qualifiers just finished, and the semifinals start in a couple of weeks. So it's kind of like, a, the, you know, a little reset button for most people. Um you know, going into the off season for just about everybody. So, yeah, it's a good time to look back and kind of see how it went. But I think it was great. It was a lot of fun for for everybody. 
Yeah, nice little shot in the arm. We, we, we're not here to walk through every single workout, but we should mention we get things rolling with the wall walk. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Cross is like, hey, we're going to send you a signal. This is going to be a little bit different this year. And uh, one of those workouts that pretty low injury potential, but very, it just threw everybody off their game. I don't know. I, I disagree with the low injury potential. I, I think, I don't know how many people, but there had to be some people that broke their toes. Um, because, uh-huh. because once they you just get, cared too much. Yeah. Well, and once you get tired and you back walk off, up there, <laughs> you walk, you do everything you can to get up there and then you just kind of fall back down and slam your feet into the ground. I know a lot of people had bruised toes at least. So I wasn't crazy about that specific movement. I can understand like, uh, it's pretty simple, easy to judge. You can do it at home. You know, they have to keep in mind, like a lot of people are, we're still in quarantine, uh, or working out at home in their garage and all that type of stuff, but when you, I don't think they took into account what would happen when people were trying to go super fast on that, and you just kind of get up there and just kind of fall down to the ground and have the potential to slam your feet into the ground. So um, I wasn't crazy about that specific movement. I understand why they did it, but the open as a whole, you know, the workouts were very inclusive, and that's what they were going for. And when you have the old open mindset where it used to be like until – this year you could qualify for the game or for the last couple of years until this year, you could qualify for the games out of the open. And for most people, the open was your season. You had to perform, you know, all, you know, at elite level just to be able to move on to the, to the next stage. And your season kind of came down to the open. It was a huge deal. And so that mindset, it kind of took some, uh, a little bit of time for people to get out of that mindset and to the mindset of, all right, I just got to get top 10% in my continent, which ends up being when you started doing the numbers, it was like, that's a whole lot of people. Mm. So I don't have to really knock this out of the park. But you put a leaderboard out there, everybody starts comparing, and it, it just took a little time for everybody to get out of the mindset of, I got to crush each one of these workouts too. I need to do just enough to get to the next level. I think where we saw that show up is old habits die hard. Yeah. And, and the, the repetition of the workouts was still a lingering thing. Yeah. For a lot of people, you know, some of that has to do with your level of how competitive you are and realizing I had a very bad approach going into that workout. That's understandable. But there still was some people checking their phones. Where Mm -hmm. where, did I slide a couple spots? If I do one more rep? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Redoing. And and I was encouraging just about everybody not to redo the workout. And some people did. And that's fine. I mean, everybody kind of can make their own decision on that. But the only reason you would need to redo that is if you're in that nine to 11 percentile, if you mm-hmm. think you're going to be, I don't know if I'm going to move on to the next level or like the wall walk one, for example, it's kind of one of those things where you want to start off on a good note and kind of start getting your confidence built up. And then it's a brand new movement that nobody's really done before. And you do it the first time and you're like, man, I did that way wrong. I, I just have never done that movement before. And I practice a little bit. I'm going to do it again just to kind of, build up my confidence and more than anything, practice the movement because it really wasn't about your fit. I mean, it, it wasn't like getting people super winded or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It was just like do a rep, lay down on the ground for a minute, do another rep, lay down on the ground for a minute and double honors were just kind of there. Um, so it, it took, it took a couple weeks and to get past that, I need to be redoing every single workout because that's what we've always done. And for the past 10 years, I do the workout on Friday and then I redo it on Monday Um, and then now it's okay. I just need to trust that if I'm going to move on to the quarterfinals, 
Um, I only need to be in the top 10%, which I think was top, God, what was it, 7,000, 5,000, something like that, guys people, or yeah. girls, yeah. which ended up being a lot. So um, I think that'll take, you know, not, I think next year people will have a better uh, view of it, but it was it was new, so people didn't really know what to expect. Yeah, and I th- it, it, when you say approachable, it also made it very easy for people to determine, which I guess we could argue should have been the case beforehand, mm-hmm. but the way it was set up, felt a little bit like it was baiting you into trying to be an athlete that you really weren't mm-hmm. <laughs> for five weeks out of the year. Yeah. Uh, but you could very easily assess, uh, okay, I'm not even on these particular workouts going to make the top 10%. Mm-hmm. I need to have a different approach to the open. That's right. I think that's probably what, what boosted the morale is that it leveled the playing field in such a way that I'm going to participate the, in this workout in the way that I would if it were programmed on a random Tuesday. Yeah. You know, the uh, the excitement is here, the challenge is here, but I'm not putting any sort of uh, inordinate pressure on myself to perform at an elite level when I'm not elite the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. And but still, you had that uh, man. Let me let me figure this out. I found myself going to YouTube a lot more. Like, let me see how these really really good athletes are approaching this wall walk mm-hmm. because I've done a few, but it wasn't for time or efficiency, you know? Yeah. And you see like, okay, they're taking their hands back four times and then they this and, you know, so I, I don't know. I think people just bought in a lot heavier and the, the feeling was a lot lighter inside the Cody, Cody Fitness family through this challenge, you know? And then also it was only three weeks long and that was, that was a huge thing for me it, as an affiliate owner that five weeks was just mentally exhausting of, having to schedule out, plan out the workouts for Fridays and not being able to do your programming for the whole week because you don't know what the workout's going to be. And then you got to have, make sure you got, you know, score sheets and clipboards and pens for all the people to get judged and make sure you got enough judges there all day Friday. And then for the people that miss Friday, Saturday, and then you got to come up there on Sunday for people who want to redo it or miss it during the week. And then you got to make sure there's people there on Monday for the people that want to redo it. For five weeks, that's just it's mentally exhausting oh, and physically yeah. exhausting, and for all the coaches, I and can confirm too that it, it it did not disrupt people's training rhythm. Yeah, it was just it was just a part of the week. Yep, yeah. You know? so, so so yeah, if it's just three weeks and you got to get top ten percent, you know, most people aren't going to be moving on. So do the workout on Friday, get judged, submit your score, move on. And so as an affiliate owner, that was um, it was such a better move. And then for an athlete, too, for me, you know, doing it, I've done every single open. This one was the least mentally and physically exhausting. I mean, I'm doing it now just to take part in it. I'm not planning on – I wasn't planning on moving on to the next stage, and I submit my score and be done with it, and I think most people were in that in that b- boat. And it just even, – even if you did that last year, you still had to do five workouts, and some of them were just absolutely brutal. Mm. And – um so this year, you know, there was one brutal workout, but the other two weren't too bad. And so it's like I can do one brutal workout a year for the Open. It's just a lot more sustainable, and it keeps you, you know, from getting burnt out in five weeks of doing that and submitting your score and checking the leaderboard and all that type of stuff just really mentally wears you down, and you feel like you need a break afterwards as opposed to this year. It was like, okay, all right, that was fun. Let's move on to the next thing. Yeah. So speaking of the next thing, this was interesting for, for some people, which is really exciting, actually, and I think should be a source of pride for this organization, that people continued. <laughs> there was yeah. a next level, and people actually made it. Yeah. You know, although the numbers were large, still, you think about the population here and the fitness population here, 
pretty pretty big big deal. Yeah, yeah, I think we had I can't remember if it was fifteen or seventeen uh, people uh, move on to the quarterfinals, which was which was really cool. Uh, we had some people at every location, and for that group, it gave them something to to move on to the next stage and say, "Hey, I'm I'm a quarterfinal athlete. My first year of the quarterfinals, uh, I made it." And they all got to kind of get together and and do the quarterfinals together. So it was kind of like, uh, man, this work I've been putting in has paid off because I move on to the next stage. So I, I like that. That was it was a really cool addition this year. I thought it was phenomenal I just you know we've talked in the past about all the changes that we 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 would like to see made at the um qualifying process for the games and I think this was you know in line with a lot of those changes that we've talked about in the past and it worked out perfectly you know one of the biggest issues with the open as a competitive on the competitive side was the uniformity of judging and uh across different gyms and and the workouts were were very um, simplified because they want to make it accessible. But then the simplified workouts and non-uniformity of judging has people going on to the games or, you know, are, are costing people moving, you know, their whole season. Um, so by making the workouts, the accessible workouts in the first stage and cutting down to the top 10%, it didn't weed out, you know, people who should be moving on to the next stage just because it was more about how fast you could move and um, whether you were – towing the line on your standards and all that type of stuff. Well, now it's top 10%, and then they move on to the quarterfinals, and they make the workouts um, more like it would be an in-person competition. It's over one weekend. Um, you have to have you know two workouts done by a certain point, and there's there's times that you, that you have to have your workouts put in. So it's a lot more similar to what um, a competition would be like as opposed to the old Open where it was – let's do this workout five times and see how fast we can, you know, who can do it the best in my own gym and n doing the workout over and over and over again, which is not like any other uh, competition that you would participate in. So I felt like this, this as a whole was, was better for the athletes and it was better for selecting who's going to move on to the next stage and being a better predictor um, for who should be competing. And I don't think you're going to, get to the point like you had in the past where there's people showing up to compete on the stage who you're like, this person has no business being here. Like mm -hmm. they're getting last every single workout. Like how do they even make it to this point? There's not going to be that because um, the test was much better. So, yeah, I think we should, and we've, we've been difficult on CrossFit in, in episodes past. Uh, I'm happy to be able to celebrate it now and probably a whole lesson in when you have people, proper people in place at a leadership level, mm -hmm. what happens because so many of the players inside of CrossFit actually haven't changed. Uh, they've just, it feels like sitting at an affiliate, it feels like they have been allowed to do what their talent would let them do anyway. And to be able to embrace how things have gone digital, they actually use mm -hmm. the the market disruptor of the pandemic to refine their digital efforts. and. Yep calling the affiliate owners to this is the setup. We're going to use the tape line to make things easier to view on film. And, yeah. you know, a lot of that stuff was just really quality. And I, we're very grateful for, for whatever room it was with whatever whiteboard that led to this. I think the thing that I noticed mostly about the uh, moving on to the next level is that you could really tell, okay, <laughs> this makes sense. Now they're trying to weed people out and get down to the serious competitors. When mm -hmm. you see people doing pistols, GHDs, and rope climbs, yeah. you're like, yeah, now we're at a different level. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. The workouts were 
were tough. Um, and you know, people were, were pretty sore, um, for a while, but to speak on your point of, I, I feel like, uh, Dave Castro kind of had, uh, some reins put on him. Sure. With had the previous to. owner. Yeah. And that kind of bleeds through. If you listen to how he kind of talks about the changes this year, and he's been saying that they were a lot of changes that he's wanted to do for a long time, but he hasn't been able to. And he wasn't really saying anything about Greg Glassman or anything and, and talking bad about him. But he was saying, you know, this is a lot of stuff that I wanted to do. I haven't been able to do in the past. And the new CEO is really wanting to grow the games. And, and he said, you know, this is Dave Castro's thing. He's the master. I'm going to let him run with it. And he's going to take the lead on this, which is a completely 180 from I'm in charge. I'm making all the calls. I'm calling all the shots, which is what it used to be. So that he's let the guy who this is his thing and this is his passion run with it. And, and it, it's been great. I mean, I, I think, I think this, the changes this year were a home run. I a grand slam. I would say, I don't think, I mean, there's a few minor things I would have changed. Like I said, the wall walks and maybe kind of, um, some of the standards for some of the movements and the workouts, but overall, I thought it was a home run. So the next step for us is semis, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Let, let's talk about the workouts real quick. As, okay. as far as the quarterfinal test, I loved it. I loved it. One of my biggest gripes with the qualifying workouts in the past has been that, like I said, you get people there who have no business being there. And for them to put a four at max front squat, I love that because it it – it weeds out those people who can do reps and with lightweight reps and bodyweight stuff really, really fast, but are not strong enough to lift the weights at the next stage. And you constantly saw that people getting to a weight and not even be able to move it. And what it said now is if you're not in the top one, 800 to a thousand of your continent and strength, you don't deserve to move on to the next stage, no matter how fast you can do burpees and how fast you can <laughs> do toes to bar and pull ups. Like you have to be strong enough to play the game. And in the past, people have been able to get by um, without being strong enough. And this really weeded out. And you saw there were some people who got top 15 to 20 in the continent on every workout and got 600, 700th on the front squat. Um, and that cost them moving on, or some people were just so good at everything else that they were able to uh, move on, even though they got a whole lot of points on that one. But I think what it's showing people is, look, you got to be strong enough to play this game. Mm -hmm. And so I loved, I thought it was a very, the most well-rounded test, online test that they've put out so far, as far as, as a mass group of people. Um, so I, I love the workouts, uh, the the GHDs, you know, we laugh about those. There's people that are probably still store from this GHD workout, <laughs> but they're they're telling people, look, you got to be able to do a high volume of GHD to be able to do this, and you know that that's something that we hadn't done as for our competitors. Um, so that's a, a change we'll make this year is doing more GHD sit ups. Um, but they're they're putting you know they're they're putting everybody on notice. You need to be able to do a a lot of reps of stuff if you want to move on to the semifinals. So um, I thought it was great. But, yeah, the, the semifinals are about to start, and, man, I'm excited about them. Yeah, this it's almost like a complete reversal, which which makes a lot of sense because this sport is still young. Uh, but you go back to the Kalipa days, and it used to be the gymnastics. Like, well, Kalipa could pick up the gym, so to speak. 
can he get up there in the rings and mm-hmm. do this gymnastics? Well, now they're having to kind of overcorrect because you had people who are quick and could do a lot of gymnastics very efficiently. But if you put them in a one rep overhead squat at the games, uh-huh. you're like, is this one of the rogue workers or is this an athlete? Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. So uh, now they're kind of finding the middle and, and making it a, a, as weird as it is to say, a more well-rounded sport. You know, yeah, it just and, takes time to do that. And they, every year with the regional programming was kind of how they um, were steering the CrossFit community as a whole. And I thought they did a great job of that. And we've kind of talked about that in the past. Like 2012, there was a ton of heavyweight. And everybody who had just been doing like four or five Metcons a day for their training all of a sudden realized, well, we need to get a lot stronger because we can't handle these barbells. And then the next year, um, it was a little bit more well-rounded. And then the next year, they did a ton, a ton of gymnastics. And it got very, very high-skilled gymnastics heavy. And it was handstand walks every single year and constantly progressing handstand walks and all types of stuff like that. And I think a lot of that was coming from the CEO, who's a former gymnast, and like, we need to be better at gymnastics. And I agree, you do need to do better gymnastics. But at the same time, like, if you're only testing snatch for your strength event every single year, like that's not really a well-rounded test of strength. And the snatch is the most technical of a strength lift. Um, you know, you don't have to be super strong to have a good snatch compared to everybody else. Um, so I think you know the new the new regime is uh, allowing Dave to kind of run with his te- with the test he does, and um, it's it's turning into more well-rounded tests. So I think. Um, but what he does, it seems to me, is he looks to see what are people focusing on and what are people not focusing on, and let me expose what they're not focusing on as a whole. And I think he, I think he takes pleasure in that. Honestly, that sucks so bad. <laughs> I think he, I think he really takes pleasure in finding holes that people haven't been working on and exposing them, like the pegboard event, for example. You know, he he did the pegboard at the games. A lot of people struggle with it, and sure enough, he put it again next year. Um, to see if people had gotten better at it than they had. So I think that's constant evolving, but that's why the the level of the athletes keeps getting better and better because they're constantly finding, you know, what holes people have and exposing them, and then people work on it for the next year. Yeah, yeah, which creates these super athletes, yeah. which we're seeing happen. Absolutely. So I'm a little bit confused about what happens next. There's a semi and then the games. Is that the new process? Um, so you go – Open, quarter, semi-games. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Yep. So the next to, in order to get to the next round out of the quarters, you had to have placed in a certain level, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the semis. Did those happen in cities? Are they still digital? So some of them are going to be online and some of them are going to be in city. So North America, for example, has four semifinals. Uh, three of them are in America, one's in Canada. And the one in Canada, because of COVID, they're going to do it online. Um, so all the Canadian and Mexican, uh, people are going to be doing online and then also some people in America as well. Um, some of the ones in Europe are still online and some of the other ones in other parts of the country are going to be in person. Just depends on, on which place it is. Okay. So you get there and it's even more refined and it's looking more and more like the games as the predictor. And then you get to the actual games that will be happening, um, where do <laughs> you like have they set that up yet or do people know uh they're going to be in uh Minis- uh i mean wisconsin like they have been in the past okay okay so it'll be just like uh just like the previous not last year but the year before um it's 
It's going to be in uh, Wisconsin. And uh, Dave's already been posting pictures of him at the games um, site and kind of saying, you know, I'm excited about this year and we will have fans back at the games and all that type of stuff. Okay, cool. So we're we're getting into a little bit of regular mm. as you're watching yeah. watching things play out from this point forward. Like ah, I recognize this. Right, okay, right. Good. So we're not we're not at the ranch again, and there are yeah. spectators. And so the next step is going to be the semifinals, like I said. And there there's uh, let's see, there's going to be eight semifinals because five uh, from each. Uh, semifinal move on to the game. So there are going to be 40 people at the game. So there's going to be eight semifinals. There's four in uh, North America. Like I said, I think two in Europe, one Australia, one Asia, one Af- Africa. Or, yeah, something like that. Or maybe one South America. I can't remember. It's crazy how they have to just, like, narrow down the world yeah, to get yeah, to this yeah, one yeah. game. Like, man, talk about complexity and expense. You know, mm-hmm. we, we don't even have time to talk about it from a business point of view. But, mm-hmm. man... They have saved themselves a lot of money not doing all of these in-person competitions over and over and over again. So, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to put you on the spot before we move to our next segment. Um, predictor, male, individual, male, female winner. Of the whole games? Yes. Uh, Tia, female, and then uh, I'm going to say Justin Medeiros, male. Um, let's talk about the semifinals real Medeiros. quick. Medeiros. God, yeah. this guy's is so crazy. If you pass Medeiros at the grocery store, you'd be like, What's up, Mullet? <laughs> What's up, Mullet? <laughs> but this guy's like one of the most elite athletes in the world right now. Mullets are uh, making a comeback for sure. <laughs> mullets in blue jean shorts. But uh, yeah. All right, so we skipped the semifinals. Yeah, yeah. Here. So the semifinals, I'm really looking forward to them. They start Memorial Day weekend. Um, the fields are absolutely stacked. Like, um, I think this these will probably be the most stacked fields you'll see outside of the games at any competition that's ever taken place so far. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, they will be having spectators. So we have one athlete who's competing at the Mid-Atlantic, which is going to be in Knoxville, and that's Meredith uh, Swindle, my sister. And so we're really excited about that. But they're they're very strict on the COVID protocols and everything. They've already sent out stuff. Like, I'll be her coach there, and we both have to have negative COVID tests um, dated 48 hours or less before we get there. And then they're going to take another one when you get there, and then they're going to check your temperature every day and you have to fill out a questionnaire so they're very strict on it but they will have spectators at that one I don't know about the other ones if they will I'm sure they probably will have some Um, but it's going to be you know a very high level um, competition of really elite athletes and then apparently that each semifinal is going to come up with their own workouts but they have to be approved by CrossFit so there will be different um, workouts at every semifinal so you won't be able to compare you know, different. You know, see who's the fittest of all the semifinals because it's different tests. But um, it's going to be it's going to be really fun to watch, and I think hopefully they'll do a really good job of broadcasting that on on CrossFit Games website. I'm sure they probably will, since I think they're only having like two a weekend, so it's it should be a lot of fun. And then, like I said, some of them will be online, like the Atlas Games um, in Canada will be online. Some other ones will be online, but a lot of them will be in person, and it's going to be fun to be back to normal of you know the in person it, it's kind of like the super regionals what they used to have a few years ago but kind of even more elite and a lot better than the sanctionals i just don't think the sanctionals um had a lot of attention um and a lot of interest from fans so i think the fans are going to be really into this it's going to be a lot of fun and it's going to be probably just com- almost comparable to the games level as far as um uh, watching and com- com- uh, competition and fans being able to watch online so it should be a lot of fun 
All right, awesome. Speaking of getting back to normal, my question is we love to support uh, athletes that are successful. So I don't know if Bridgefirth is going to get in on this, but have you guys calculated a way yet for us to support uh, as a community the expense of you two guys going to, to this level and all that? No, we hadn't worked on that, but uh, you can – if you if you want to support, you know, shoot us a message or something, we could figure something out. Yeah, well, what I'd like to see is a is a what do we call it? The Swindle Showdown, or it's pretty yeah. amazing to watch Meredith beat four separate male athletes yeah. in one yeah. workout. Yeah. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do that like in the summer or something like that. Yeah, that's that'd fun. Be, but that's always awesome. that always is a good time. Well, you know how Cody Fitness is. If you uh, if you put a t shirt in there, then a lot of people get involved. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, absolutely. Whatever it takes to get a t shirt. So. All right, awesome. Yeah, we're, we're excited for what's ahead in the, the season of competition for CrossFit. What we're most excited about right now, though, is our segment, Outside the Box! That may be your best one. Yeah. That was really good. Just record that and put it on. Loop. That was really good. Just put yeah. it on every, every one of them? Yeah. That'll be the standing thing. So we'd like to welcome Chase back to the podcast. Yeah, well, I mean, when you know your place, you know your place. It's your time to shine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Glassman. Wow, <laughs> what a crazy guy that was. Speaking of crazy guys... Uh, Genghis Khan. He was my <laughs> <No, I didn't. laughs> Wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're kind of, we're going back to an idea we had a few uh, episodes ago where we asked Hunter some questions. Uh, well, we, Ben, Ben asked Hunter, Hunter some questions that he did not know were coming. And in situations like that, it usually creates the spiciest answers. Expect the uh, or, or a very prolonged pause. Yeah. And silence. Uh, Dead air. Hmm. <laughs> I see. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to do five, okay? Because I'm hope You guys, if you want to take a second to think about it, I'd rather you give answers that you believe in than fast answers. Editing magic. Yes. Okay. No, no, no. We leave pauses. Ah. Yeah. We want people to hear your brain smoking. <laughs> Wait, uh, wait. <laughs> different podcast. <laughs> All right, number one, y'all ready? Yes. Yeah. All right, if you were a transformer, what vehicle would you turn into? Or would you, t yes, what okay, would be your so disguise? So the car would be like, you, you don't have to pick an actual transformer. You can no, just, no, 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 you're okay. not saying like, I want to be Optimus Prime because I want to be able to I toast want stuff. No, yeah, not, it's not that kind of question. No, what car do you, would you like to be turning into? Mm, that's tough. It is tough. I, my my first instinct was the eighteen wheeler because it's king of the road, right? Yeah, mm. Mm. it's it's a pretty powerful vehicle. However, yeah. in dangerous situations or situations where you like to show off in front of your friends, not so much. Not be able to get away. Yeah, very fast. yeah. Are they? Yeah, it is the opposite of a sports car. Yeah, I'm you gonna say I mean? a Hummer. That's what I'm gonna say. A Hummer? H2 or the new ones? No, like the, the Army Hummer. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I want to have no butt by the time I'm done with this. <laughs> I guess you're not, you are the card, though, so it doesn't yeah, really yeah. matter. Yeah, you know? you'd be able to survive a uh, a blast from the road. That's a actually tank. a pretty interesting choice. Yeah. Or a tank. Maybe a helicopter so it could fly. See, that's what, I'm not answering, but I kind of thought something airborne. Yeah, I never, I did not go there. I was mm. trying to make the decision between like a very expensive sports car that I would never otherwise have yeah, yeah. or a really nice utility vehicle sort mm -hmm. of trucks, truck sort of deal. Hmm. Um, I'm going to pick an army helicopter. That's what I'm going to pick so I can fly around. Yeah. I think I'm going to go really off base with this answer. A warship. <laughs> <laughs> a kayak. Um, <laughs> I think what I would like to be is a classic, uh, and this will make sense for the people that know me, 
I'd like to be a classic uh, like '70s Jeep. That does make sense for you. Yeah, yeah, because it's like, oh man, this is a this is a really dirty job, and we don't want to send something expensive in there. But mm. we need something that'll get the job done. Call this guy, you know, and then I could go mm. in there and handle it. Yeah, doesn't matter if you get dinged up or it's just like the pride of getting the job done. Get the job done. That's right. Yeah, because we all know what <laughs> micro a hard work dirty I am. jobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. I don't know. It's an off the wall answer. Okay, that's yeah. all right. You didn't have time to think about it. Number two. What would be your strategy for a zombie apocalypse? You can take this as detailed as you want to, although I imagine you haven't thought about it too much. Except maybe you've been. My strategy would be to get the biggest machine gun I could find and uh, find a uh, remote place and stock up as much supplies as I can and hold it out. Yeah, I would have a very similar answer in that uh, when put in fight or flight in that scenario, I'm going to choose flight. I'm going to find a very isolated place. First of all, I'm going to find someone really wealthy who's thought about this already and is a prepper. I'm going to befriend them. I'm (laughs) I'm going to use all their preparation on this, and I'm going to find a pretty remote location that's easily defendable, Mm -hmm. okay? And uh, But it's going to have to be a place that I can live off of the land Mm -hmm. and use some of the knowledge to be able to do that. Yeah, so it could be actually in the U.S., but I think preferably I would want to find an island somewhere so that we could actually observe the perimeter and keep it safe my thought is i feel like so in most zombie if not all zombie movies it's bite based that you get um afflicted right like they bite you and it enters your system yeah so yeah i think remote is the way to go and i think movies are typically wrong i feel like the apocalypse is going to be over pretty quick because eventually they're going to throw morals aside and just start blasting uh-huh. uh, these things. And not they're not going to worry about a cure or anything. They're just going to get rid of them and then get back to normal as fast as possible. So I feel like I don't, I'm don't. i not going to worry as much about the lay of the land where I got to learn how to farm and stuff like that. I just want to be able to have enough canned ch- Campbell's chicken noodle soup to get me through <laughs> until however many months we got to do ravioli. this thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but the prepper, the prepper befriending, is a that's a good call. Yeah, you have to know me though. If once I entered into that sort of lifestyle, you may, but the way would you would do it, up. you would not track anything. You're just like, all right, this is my life now. Yep. Buckle up. Yeah, I'd be. It the would guy. be over by the time you were uh, realizing it was over. Someone well would over. finally find me and say, "Man, this finished 15 years ago." I'd be like, "Oh, okay. Well, enjoy." <laughs> yeah, I would love it. The question is how quickly Ben. I'm just going to stay out here. So uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> things are working well for me. All right, Come number on, Wilson. Th- number three. What fictional world do you wish you could live in for a week? Ooh. Literally, like, book, TV show, movie, magazine. I have a quick answer for this. You need time to think? Go for it. I have a quick answer because my sons and I have been consuming for the past couple months, actually, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm. I would love to actually be on the Enterprise and uh, share time with Jean-Luc Picard. That guy is... Young or old Picard? Uh, the younger one, yeah, mm-hmm. where he's still captain, he's still in the nitty-gritty and having to make really tough decisions and lead well and all of that stuff. It would just be – I think it would be amazing because you could experience all the crazy advances in technology. Mm. Also, these personalities that I've been observing on a TV show, I'm actually in that world. God, that would be fascinating. And to think or, or to actually experience travel at warp speed and also to be teleported, like, how could you? How could you not want to experience that? 
be amazing. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. My first instinct was Game of Thrones, even though <laughs> I just want to see what it was like. All right. Even though it's, it's, it seems pretty brutal. Pretty brutal. <laughs> You're going the opposite direction. Yeah. But uh, I also thought about Harry Potter, but only if I could be be able to wield magic. Well, that's not fictional, though. Oh, that's oh, yeah. true. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> true life, yeah. yeah, you just hadn't found the right gate at the train station. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Oh, I didn't think about Harry Potter. Wow. I feel like I would choose um, Avatar. Not the movie, but the uh, the Nickelodeon show. Yeah. In non-war time. Everybody just seems so chill, you know? Yeah, Odds are these, I have some kind of power. They have these incredible powers, yeah. but they're still like average people. Yeah. Hey, we're flying on the back of this big animal. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Screw that's, technology. That's great. All so right. we, we all kind of went to things that we've, we know a lot about. Love, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah. All right, number four. If you could level up any aspect of yourself, like a stat, so like almost like strength, intelligence, charisma, stuff like that, but you had to decrease another aspect of yourself by the same amount, what aspects would you increase and what would you decrease? So, so let's if I say, get stronger, I have to get dumber. Or something like something yeah, like that. Yeah. Ooh. So let's say you're working on a scale of like one to ten. Mm. No, one to twenty. That way you have a little room to Gosh, I'm at nine at most things already. <laughs> Wait, that's below average. <laughs> I know what uh, I said. Oh man, so you have to sacrifice in one area to gain in the other. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-mm. Okay. I would wow, this is gonna be dangerous to say on this podcast. I would probably... In- this is a surprisingly very deep question. It really yeah. is. Yeah. I would probably increase my intelligence and decrease my physical fitness. There we go. Because <laughs> because Chase and I could be better friends. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, because over time, I believe that my intelligence would help me compensate for whatever decrease happens in my physical fitness. Yeah, so you're saying intelligence has a stronger place in the world than your, uh, your, your brawn. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, kind of, but also over time, my brawn would recover because I'm so intelligent. I feel like that's a cop-out. No, but I mean, if I increase my intelligence, I'm obviously going to get better at all other things in my life, right? That has to be the case. Yeah. But I feel like the point of the question is that it's irrecoverable. Oh. It's a permanent. Permanent loss. Yeah. Okay, permanent. Even with permanent loss, I think because of my quality of life, uh, I would, if I'm more intelligent, let's say I lose strength, like one rep max, or I can't do Metcons as fast or any of that stuff. I still would be able to be intelligent about other things in my life, mm. hydration, protein consumption, blah, 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 wellness in general, mm-hmm. that I could live the sort of life that my fitness journey is trying to obtain anyway. Yeah. Plus I feel like strength and stamina are two different stats. So yeah. like the way you go about things, True. you're probably better benefiting from stamina than you are from strength. Yeah, I guess we would need a list of like yeah, that's a which, good point. Which stats are you, like are we able to choose and like yeah? Because if you drop all your one rep maxes, I mean yeah. like okay, fine, but I'm, yeah. I can still get in the gym. And right, do right, work. right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I would decrease trap size, increase cap size. <laughs> uh, absolutely, <laughs> I didn't know that was an option. Uh, I would actually get muscles in my back. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna take these calves I have left over from high school. <laughs> I'm gonna trade my fat boy calves. For to actually yeah. have traps. Yeah, you you and I can trade. <laughs> oh my gosh. Great answer. <laughs> All right, last one. If you could go back in time, uh, this is scary. If you could go back in time and give your parents advice before you were born, 
what advice would you give them? Stop Careful after with the me. eggnog. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear what I said? No, it said stop after me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. When one he nailed it the first yeah. time. One and done. I used to say that when I was a kid, but no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade my siblings for anything. I was just kidding. <laughs> yeah, even calf size. Uh, man, go back and tell your parents uh, one, one thing. Ooh. Invest in uh, Apple. <laughs> Great advice. <laughs> yeah, I automatically went relational. That's why I was like, it, it was a difficult question. But yeah, for sure, the money thing would be nice. Because yeah. money is such a stressor for most families. If you could give them, if you could actually give them financial advice, that would be very helpful. Yeah. Like, would they listen to you, though, is the question. <laughs> um, if they would have put like $1,000 into Apple in like, when did Apple was it, when was Apple founded? I think the eighties, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah, in like the early eighties. What 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 do you think it'd be worth now? Oh gosh, the uh, so there's a dude that owned. Um, uh, there's three guys that started Apple, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there's the two Wozniak, right? Wozniak and yeah. uh, Jobs, and then the money the other guy. was this other dude. Yeah, and he sold his shares. He, he right? sold it for nothing, but like he had thousands I mean, of dollars. But he had like probably thirty three percent of the company or right. half the company. His and a, yeah, at the time now, of the company, he should have. He made the wise decision at that time. Yes. Like they were struggling. Yeah, which is why he says now he doesn't regret it. But like even sure he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not here to call him a liar. But, yeah. but even if you if your parents bought like a two percent stock in the '90s, like early early '90s, um, it would be expensive. But the payoff, it like you can't even. Yeah. You can't even imagine. I think I would tell my parents it's it's all going to work out. Like mm. that would help them relax in their parenting. Like, hey, everything's gonna be fine. Mm. And I'm saying that now as a parent because, oh my gosh, you could lay in bed at night and stress yourself out about everything. How's this gonna play out? What's gonna blah 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 blah. It's like, hey, look, here's here's a picture of both of your children. It works out, you know. So relax, enjoy the journey, you know, because yeah. that's kind of what I'm focused on yeah, right that's now. Good. It's not working. <laughs> it's not working at all. It's kind of hard to turn off that instinct, but I think if someone visited me from the future with Jean-Luc Picard and told me it was going to work out, I would listen. I feel like I wouldn't tell him anything because I would just be nervous that like I would talk the myself into non-existence. Yeah. <laughs> I completely changed. I don't exist anymore. And that's an apple. Poof. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Well, those are great questions. Yeah, that was right. all of them. Those Speak, were good. Speaking is that enough? Intelligence. Yeah, yeah, that's plenty, great. Plenty. So we're going to do this for another episode. The whole episode. All right. 60 questions. 60 <laughs> questions. <laughs> it's a six-part episode. All right, so we have some recommends today. We actually talked this out. I'm yeah, pretty yeah. excited about the we recommends. We planned? Yes, we planned. Wow. Well, Ben and I planned. Yeah, yeah. You. Well, you did too, I guess. You yeah. planned. Yeah, you planned. Planned some questions. Planned some You're welcome. Yeah. We're, we're <laughs> all segment. growing up. Yeah. All right, Hunter, you lead us off. So I'm going to double up since you guys were slacking the last two weeks or last it's two Chris's episodes. Chris's fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a little passive-aggressive there, oh. but okay. <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to give a book and a TV show. Book is Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. I think Chris has um, recommended it before, but I'm going to double up on it because um, it's it's a great book. Um, it's a great book for guys, but also for, for women as well. I would highly recommend it. It just talks about the man and his journey and um, kind of how to get back to the the – actual nature of men and and what what drives them and man it just, there are so many things underlined in that book so I, i'd highly recommend it um it's definitely not a secular book so um just just keep that in mind as well and then also uh tv show is uh, this show that started on hbo 
uh, with Kate Winslet called Mayor of East Town. Have you guys heard of it? I've heard of it, but mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know anything about it's, it. It's. Uh, I think there's only been three or four episodes so far. But uh, anything Kate Winslet does is good because she doesn't do a whole lot, and so you know if she's going to do it. It's going to be good. Mm-hmm. She's Whoa, a wait great a actress. Hunter's breaking one of his hard and fast rules. What's that? You're getting involved with a show that only has three episodes. I know. Yeah, I know. This was that's, what happen- that's what happens yeah. when you run out of shows to watch. You know? <laughs> Thanks, quarantine. But I, 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 I was reading about it. I was like, man, pretty much anything HBO, I'm, I'm willing to give a shot. And then Kate Winslet, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a shot. And then, but anyway, she's a detective in Philadelphia who's um, examining a. Um, there's a a girl who's been missing from the from the place for a couple of years and it's kind of a cold case. And so she's trying to figure that out. And then another girl gets murdered. And so she's trying to figure that out. And then she's got a whole lot of personal stuff going on, but man, it's really, really good. And it really kind of goes in the opposite direction a couple of different times throughout the show so far. Like you just, something happens, you completely don't expect it at all. So the acting acting's phenomenal. Uh, the show's really good. I really like it a lot. So I I'd, mm-hmm. I'd check it out if you can. Mayor of what? East. East Town, I think. Mayor of East Town? Yeah. Chase, you got anything? Kind of. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm going to give a loose one. I haven't finished it, um, but neither is Hunter. So I think that excuses me. I just started defending Jacob, and man, it is... Mm. You've already watched it? Yes. Okay, don't tell me anything about it. I won't. Is it worth the inve- or the uh, recommendation, though? Am I off base? Yes, you, it is worth it. Espe- I will give you one fact. It very much disturbed me. Very so good. You will enjoy it a ton. Thanks. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> good. Those, those weird general things that bother me in the series. This was I got I got deeply invested, as did my wife in this show. Okay. And uh man, it's it's really good. They do All a right. good job. I'll it, stick with it then. It's one of those series that kind of watches like a really great book, which mm. I appreciate. Like it's cut like that's the benefit of these TV shows now, is they can give way more detail. Mm-hmm. Similar to how books do it. With movies, you're like you know, even if it's a three-hour movie, it's the reason they're doing that because they just have so many big things to squeeze in. You think yeah. about like the Avengers movies and stuff, but this yeah. thing is eight episodes. The impressive, what's more impressive to me, which this could be a whole different podcast episode, but the level of acting. I mean, I literally was watching this, believing I was dropping in on a family. Yes. How did they do that? How- well, it's it's got our girl from um, Godless. Uh, Godless. Yeah. And then Chris Evans, man. I already liked him to begin with, but like doing all the Captain American stuff is like really unlocked a lot of stuff that he's, you know, wouldn't have typically gotten offered. I feel like, uh, like things like Knives Out. That's another thing I could recommend. Great movie. Yeah. That dude is just solid. In this particular series, it, it, it's not one of those radical departures where like, whoa, this guy's evil. I, I don't, you see the hero inside of him, so it makes it re- you're instantly in, yeah, and you believe, yeah, this guy wants to be the hero. That makes sense. But then as as thing, human, yeah, as conflict, things progress, yeah. there's a ton of conflict. So yeah, I could I could recommend it, and also to see the progression of the actress as well. Like, okay, we're not, we're definitely not in Downton Abbey anymore, <laughs> yeah. and now we're not in a western. Great American accent. Yeah, she it, totally believable. Yeah. and now we're seeing her in a conflicted mother mm. role. Yeah, yeah, it's it's worth the time, you know. Real but good. you, it is one of those things that at a couple of points in the series, you're going to be very jarred, and after mm-hmm. it's over, you're going to be thinking. How does this work? You yeah, know, which is that's great. I mean, Sweet. All for a couple bucks. How do you how do you beat that? 
Actually, I got it for free. Okay. All right. Quick recommend from my point of view. This is going to be a way throwback, but I'm going through it for the second time. Good to Great by Collins. This is a book that everybody should take time to read. I don't care what industry you're in, what you do for a living. You should read this book, mostly because people use a lot of phrases from this book, and everybody assumes that you know what people are talking about, uh, like Doom Loop and the flywheel and the hedgehog concept and the, the right people on the bus. I mean, all sorts of things came Classic. out of this book. But you think you know what, what he's talking about, but until you read it, man, you really understand how smart this guy was and how much he's impacted the way people go about business and really anything they do in their life. I'm not even reading it with you, and it's still it's already spilling over. Into, yeah, it's pretty fascinating. It's kind of like turning pro. We Hunter and I were talking about that the other day. Uh, but the, I say kind of like Collins was obsessed with research, just like Brene Brown. Like mm -hmm. a team of people are researching. So if we're going to write this book, this isn't going to be me with my MacBook and a coffee shop and an opinion. He's got so much stuff to back this up, and it is absolutely right, and it is absolutely counterintuitive. So mm -hmm. if in your life you're working very hard and not getting the results that you think you should, this book, Good to Great, is really going to help decode that and send you in a better direction. I, I just can't sell it hard enough. We read that in, in college in one of my business classes, and um, I need to reread it because it was really, really good. Yeah, quick, quick story, okay? Uh, I can't remember the name of the website, but they decided to take on Walgreens. It was like, gearpillshere.com or pharmacy.com or something. And I'm reading it on Kindle and that website was hyperlinked. And there was this big war between Walgreens and this really progressive new online company. Rx.com. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I'm like, man, I wonder how this works. This is a hyperlink. I wonder how this works out. So the big story was this online pill supplier was going to destroy Walgreens, be a thing of the past. I click on this hyperlink and it does one of those reroutes and it goes to Walgreens.com. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Swallowed them up. Walgreens won. Yeah. <laughs> so That's awesome. Those kind of stories over and over again, it's, it's worth a read. And you could probably find it used for 99 cents. It's going to be worth it. Mm. Cool. You know it's worth it? Ending an episode? <laughs> Sounds about right. See ya. smooth sounds.